You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Well, welcome everyone to the FCF Leadership Podcast. My name is John Coates, and I'm here with a very special friend and FCF family member, John Smith. Yes, hey, that's his real name, John Smith. Can I ask you before we get started? I know this is an FCF podcast, so this is kind of like we like to be real around here. Let's do it. So growing up, did you ever go to your mom and be like, why did you name me John Smith? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What was her response? Well, funny story. See, up until like I was actually born, my name was Samantha. Oh. My parents had no idea they were going to have a boy. So they thought they were going to have a girl. All they picked out was girl names. They finally figured out on Samantha. Boom, I'm born June 24th. Bam, boy. Wow, we have a son. Now what? And so uh, <laughs> they uh, literally had a you know a day, day and a half or whatever to, to come up with a boy's name. And my dad just came in one day and said, well, John, what about John? John's a good name. And they just never thought about the ramifications <laughs> Of uh, naming their son John Smith. That's all. I was like, did your dad go find a junk mail? And he came in. He's like, I got it. John Smith. <laughs> That's it. it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, sorry, sidetracking already. And we just got started. But John <laughs> Smith is uh, an FCF uh, ordained minister, but he's also the associate pastor at Faith Christian Fellowship Tucson in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, he's been with uh, the FCF family for so long and been so faithful and we're just so honored to have you with us today, John. Thank you, sir. So today, one of the things that we're going to touch and subjects that we really want to be able to help uh, all of our listeners that are out there, we were just joking before we started recording, I'm a, I'm someone who listens to these podcasts while I'm mowing the yard, you said while you run, uh, Whitney is actually in here, Whitney Baldwin, helping us to record, and she said she listens while she drives. Um, so we have all kinds of listeners that are probably in various places, maybe even around the world listening. And so today, one of the topics that we're going to discuss is the relationship between, uh, an associate pastor and a pastor Mm -hmm. and, uh, whether you serve as an associate pastor, uh, through the realm of, uh, youth minister, children's minister, helps minister, um, various different ways that you can serve as an associate, or your title literally is an associate minister. Uh, John, you've done all of the above. All of them. All the above. And so why don't you just give us a little background, if you would, just kind of how you got to uh, Tucson, how you got to uh, serve your pastor, uh, Virgil Stokes, who's also been with the FCF family for uh, for some decades. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my wife and I, we we had recently been married. And uh, I, we were married in my senior year in college. And so right after we got, uh, we got married, I graduated from school, it was, uh, where do we go next? And it was been in my heart at that point, I wanted to get my PhD in sociology. And uh, there were three big universities on the mix. University of Arizona had one of the top 10 programs in that particular field. Mm. So we said, hey, my wife, she, uh, she graduated. She was international business major, Spanish major. I thought, hey. U of A, Tucson, you speak Spanish, business, great. Let's go to Tucson. We'll get in-state tuition after six months. I can get residency. Hmm. And uh, we moved there in uh, June 2000 and uh, got, you know, started getting residency. And, and she got a job right off the bat. 
So while I was there, I got six months really to kill before the next semester rolls around and uh, start, you know, putting in all the applications and those things. And I, uh, I uh, had heard about uh, a little Bible school program that uh, my, my pastor now, FCF minister Virgil Stokes, had been doing locally in the city of Tucson. And I thought, hey, I, I need to sign up for some Bible school classes. Mm. And uh, that really was the, kind of the beginning of the end <laughs> of one career and the, uh, the end of a beginning to a, n- a new one, you know. Sure. So, uh, um, so we started those Bible school classes and immediately... It was that place of, yes, it just reignited in me. I knew when I was 13 years old, that's when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, that uh, the Lord had called me into ministry. Wow. And, you know, through a long series of events and sure. you know, other things, that uh, um, that wasn't something that was in the purview of my mind at the, at the place. But all that stuff was just reignited, you know, just reignited and lit in me. And so I started going to these Bible school classes. And after just a few weeks, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to ask him if there's anything that you can do. Hmm. How can you serve? And so uh, that was really how it began. So I began setting up the tables for the for the Bible school. I began, you know, running the the audio, the equipment. They would tape, you know, tape all the the equipment. They used to have these things called tapes, cassettes <laughs> back in the day. And so uh, began running those things, making those duplicate copies, doing registration, doing running off all the curriculum and putting together notebooks and just all those things, really just jumping into that helps and administrative side of yeah. ministry. And um, uh, a couple years, couple years later, there were some transitions and some things happening in their ministry. They still had a, they did a lot of uh, uh, evangelistic missionary type mm-hmm. ministry, primarily to Latin America. And uh, there's just different things happening in their life. And they were talking about moving and other things happening. And uh, I just was really seeking the Lord about what's next. And uh, the Lord told me specifically, hey, I want you to serve this man and this woman. Do what's before you to do. Wow. And so that would have been uh, uh, first met him in 2001, March 2001, started working with him. And uh, that was about 2003. At that point, and uh, you know, ever since 2001 is when I started working, really working with the ministry. Wow! But in 2003 was when I said, "Yes, this is a vision that I need to get behind and be with." And then February 2004 is when we opened the doors for FCF Tucson. The Lord had told us to open a fountain of His healing power in this place, and uh, that's what we set out to do. And I've been, like I said, I've been serving that man for 17 years now. Wow! Now. Because I know you well, I've been to Tucson, been to at least two of the buildings that you guys have occupied for a church. I'm glad you didn't come to that first one. I was getting ready to ask. Okay, so the first church, that you, the stories that you have told me about, the first church uh, that you guys occupied was a bar, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, originally it was called the Sundowner Bar, <laughs> and it was... Uh, it, uh, it is no longer in existence. After we moved out, about six months after we moved out, the whole building burnt to the ground. Oh my... And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. It was it was that bad. And so here was the deal. We were looking for a place to meet, and we had been doing Bible school classes at some other churches. And uh, uh, one of our students came up, who had been a member of another church, and said, hey, our pastor's moving out of the, the building they're in. We're moving into this new building. And we just wanted to know, we thought you might want it. And nobody knew that we were really taught. We had been talking about uh, starting a church. You know, we'd been meeting together in my home on Sunday nights and praying together and just kind of preaching to each other. And, uh, you know, there's a couple other people that uh, had been there with us. And uh, so we like, all right, sure. You know, and he said, why don't you go check out that building for me, John? So I'll never forget. I pulled up the, the it was, I, I, can't, I can't do it justice to how ugly this place was. <laughs> 
it was this lime, nasty, green, ugly exterior and this horrible, just, just big dirt lot, you know, and, and uh, you walked in and it had just a carpet that was, it was undescribable. It was so loud and nasty and, and they had it, it because it was a bar it had this in the back, the second room, they had one of those big cast iron, huge things got away, probably like six, 7,000 pounds door that went to like what have been an old freezer. Uh-huh. And I mean, you couldn't put food in there. It was just, it was nasty. <laughs> and, uh, that ended up being the children's room. <laughs> and so the teachers would joke to one, joke to one another. And we emphasize that, that that was the timeout area. <laughs> But uh, that was our little storage. We'd push this big thing. It made this horrible. I mean, it would have been a horror movie. But this building was was uh, it was it was a good place to start. Yeah. And now at the beginning, when you guys got into that building, uh, Pastor Virgil, he still had his traveling ministry. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So when he would travel, you would do the services. Absolutely. The first six months of <laughs> of starting this church. I mean, this is probably not the the normal one way that uh, people would think about. We're going to start a church. Hey, so this first six months, I'm going to be traveling. I'll be gone at least, you know, two to three of the services wow. each month. And so uh, that was really how we started the church. And he would, when he would come in, he would preach. And, uh, you know, it was just us. And so, uh, you know, I'd, you'd lead worship and you'd sing and you'd go take the offering. Then you go pass the buckets. <laughs> I mean, it was wild. But you were doing everything. We were doing everything, you know. Wow. That's pretty powerful, you know, even think, like you just said, that's not the way you would normally think about starting a church. Uh, I'm going to be the senior pastor, and you're probably never going to see me uh, as we start. Maybe down the road we might get to that point, but we're going to start that that way. So you're doing everything, uh, leading, setting up, tearing down. So because we're on this topic just for fun, uh, we're sitting here and we just determined we're going to have some fun this podcast. So you told me a story about baptisms that took place in that building. Uh, remember you said that you were, when I was in Tucson one time, why don't you tell the listeners uh, about that story about your, uh, the pastor being out of town and what happened with that baptism service? Yeah, it was actually, it was our first baptism service. It would have been, uh, it was like, two, it would have been 2005 now. It was Easter weekend. I thought that'd be a great time for baptism. And you know what, you think Tucson, it's nice and warm. It was actually kind of cool at the time. So there's two stories that came out of that. One was there was no way to heat the water. So we bought this pool from Walmart, one of those little inflatable ring deals on the top, and you, you add in the, the, the water. So it's got about 450, 500 gallons uh, of water in it. And, uh, you know, people got in, they'd get baptized. One guy came up and he was shaking and everybody <laughs> thought he was having this Holy Ghost experience. No, he was freezing <laughs> and he was clenched up his fist. I thought he was going to hit me as he came out of the water. And it's like, that's whoa, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, uh, but it was just that it was cold. And so, uh, uh but it, it, it was beautiful. We've got, I mean, people that are still in the church that uh, were baptized in that service. Wow. And he's still, that guy is still in our church. And he'll, every time we do baptisms, now we've got the nice, warm, heated thing. He, he goes back, do you remember that first service? <laughs> like, I thought I was going to hit you, Pastor. <laughs> so I did too. <laughs> but praise God, he's still there. Um, the funny part was then, after we're taking it down, and uh, I've never had to mess with one of these before, and I, I learned a valuable lesson, and that was as you're... Uh, draining the water, don't try to deflate that ring at the top. And I took a little bit of air out so I could lower it down and try to get more pressure on the water and ended up dumping about half of the thing all over the sanctuary. <laughs> and uh, 
So for the next uh, three days, I had fans going and uh, doing everything while, I could to dry out this. this while the uh, pastor's out of town. While the pastor's out of town. And yeah. I remember when you were telling me the story, you had to call your wife and tell her you wouldn't be home for lunch. Oh, yeah. I had to, <laughs> Yeah, it was because I was Sunday afternoon. I said, honey, I'm not going to be home for lunch. I'm not going to be home for dinner. Um, if you could uh, just uh, pack up the kids and if you could grab as many fans as we have at the house and bring them down, that would be uh, incredible. Thank you. So, uh, What a story. And you're still there. <laughs> yeah, you know, in, in all my shenanigans and issues and things, I've never once been fired. So praise <laughs> the Lord. It's a good testimony of, of my pastor's grace. Wow. So here we are, first building, we've spilled pools, we're locking kids up in some type of device that now laws Johnny, would put you behind bars, possibly. If I showed you pictures of the youth room, I mean, people would go crazy. <laughs> it was it was bad. So here we are, and now you guys are on your third... This is our third building. Third building. Yeah. And, uh, and all these years you've served as associate in some way, capacity... Uh, whether that was, you know, associate literal, like filling him when he's gone or why he's there, serving as an assistant, youth pastor uh, over the various different areas. Um, after now 15 years, you've been there, oh, even a little bit more than that. My math's a little off. Um, you know, there's this interesting thing because I remember I was the youth pastor and I remember we had um, we had a painted floor and it had a sealer on it. And uh, Pastor Fred and Cookie are out of town ministering. And we're doing a fundraiser for youth. And we had people helping us. Now, the rule was you had to pick up the chairs or put them on a dolly because they would scratch the floor. Right. So I'll never forget. I look over. We're cleaning. We're putting up the tables. The tables go in this far, far back room. So I'm not even in the sanctuary. And I come out and there are lines in. And so... All I remember is all the horror stories of youth pastors who put a hole in the wall, who did something ridiculous, you know, while their pastor's gone. Thankfully, I too, uh, we tried to fix it. We bought a, it's, that's a whole long story. In it. But I remember the day I had to tell him, hey, when you come back, the floors are going to look a little bit different. Anyways, through all of the things that you've been through, um, you know, what is, what is just, you know, off the top of your head, what's the one thing that's been able to help? Because there's all kinds of stories about how someone was serving someone, uh, the relationship with South. Um, I mean, we're in the trenches in ministry. Mm-hmm. I just heard someone say the other day, you know, they even, I can't remember who did the report, but someone did a report and ministry was like in the top three hardest, absolutely, uh, you know, industries yeah. to be in. So what do you feel like has been, you know, the secret to making it? Well, you know... <sighs> Um, the, the, the biggest thing there has got to be communication and that place of relationship. And it's so easy in, in ministry and life. I mean, it's crazy. We're, everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's busy. But those, that relationship with, with your senior leader, those, those have got to be cherished and those have got to be nourished mm. because it's just like with a, 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 really a marriage, you know, you, you, you think you, you marry the person that they are today. But when you marry the person that they are today, you're not just marrying that person. Mm-hmm. You're marrying the person that they're going to be in five years. Wow. You're marrying the person that they're going to be in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that person's going to change. And the person that you are 
is going to change. You're going to grow. You're going to develop. And your pastor, that senior leader, they're going to grow and they're going to develop and they're going to look at life and ministry and things from different lenses and different viewpoints as they grow and develop. And so being able to have those questions, being able to have those conversations where you're constantly making sure you get to know them again and again Mm -hmm. and again. What's the fire in their heart today? Mm -hmm. Is that still the fire in their heart six months ago? What's the the new thing that God's speaking to them uh, um, personally Mm -hmm. about? And as you continue to grow and know those things in their relationship with the Lord, it's going to help that relationship to, to stay, um, to stay positive because, and stay growing Mm -hmm. and real because you're constantly learning about who they are and you're staying connected to the person of God that they are today. Mm, that's really good. What, let me ask you this. What was some practical things that you did or that you guys came up with to keep that communication, you know, alive? Uh, you know, just those pla- uh, some fellowship, um, those places of not just having staff meeting, mm. but uh, we're not just going to get together and talk about the things of ministry, but, uh, you know, we're going to regularly, and it doesn't have to be like weekly. It doesn't have to be like monthly. I talk to a lot of young ministers that, well, my pastor just, he, he doesn't ever have time for me. Mm. Then you go to find out that, you know, every couple months they sit down together and they have a meal. Hello, what is that? That's mm. a great time to connect and to ask those questions and to just to see what's going on in life. And, mm. and uh, so those were, um, you know, having those places of, 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 uh, sitting down, fellowshipping, sure. having meals. Another thing for me is when my pastor would go somewhere, anywhere locally, can I come with you? Mm. When they're going to go minister in uh, in another local church in the, in the town, go with them, mm. be with them. They're driving to the big city down the road. Mm. Hey, sir, you know, let, let, me, let me drive you. Let me come with you. Because those times shoulder to shoulder in the car, Carrying that bag, doing those things, it, not only is it a great place of impartation, but it's a, it's a place of ongoing connection. Mm. You said something there that I want to touch on, uh, or want you, if you would, to touch on. Because I think that there's a, a difference between me and my pastor have good communication, because you and I have both you know, been around for a little bit now and seen people come and go. It seemed like they had a really good relationship with their pastor. They were an associate. So the pastor calls the shots in staff meeting. Um, they got that. But I think they missed an element sometimes that, because I know you personally, but even hearing what you just said, I want to touch. You and your wife, I know you and know your family, and you guys have servants' hearts. So what you just said, um, you weren't doing that to say, this is the role of an associate pastor. Therefore, I will go with my pastor. You just said, I want to carry, you know, can I drive you? Can I go with you? Because at the heart of your communication is the heart of a servant. Absolutely. And so what is it that keeps your heart? Because, I mean, we've, we'd be dumb to say that there's a spiritual gift called relationship. There isn't. You won't right. find one no. in the Bible. And I, I believe that because the Lord wants us to, to work at it use faith and go through some stuff together. You go you're gonna go through stuff together. How how did you keep your heart to serve him and to keep him as the he's the pastor, I'm the associate? Yeah. Um you know a lot of those first I guess on learning that place of honoring and recognizing the gift, you know, and, and when I uh begin to uh 
I mean, I think about like David and those folks in, in, in the scripture that they came along and David's attitude was, I'm going to be a protege. I'm not here to be a parasite. Mm. I'm not here to see what I can get. I'm not here to build my ministry. So I'm good. not here to become, you know, the, the, the next whatever, but God planted me here at this time and at this season for a specific reason. Mm. And in this place it is to serve. Mm. And so, you know, when we talked, and there's different kinds of associate ministers, right? right. I mean, so not all of them maybe um, have that uh, a pastoral gift mm-hmm. in them. I, I do. You know, I know I'm called into the pastoral ministry. And so, and, and, and I am a pastor alongside my pastor in this place. And, and for folks, particularly in that role, it can breed, if they're not careful, a place of, well, I would do it different. Sure. Um, and uh, almost a competitiveness. Mm. And remembering that place of, hey, my, what's my role? God sent me here to be the Aaron, a her, a mm. Joshua, to lift up and support the vision and the calling of my pastor for this local church in our city mm-hmm. and making sure that that aspect is kept center in, in their mind, in their prayer life, and in their heart is absolutely, it's quintessential mm-hmm. because the enemy is going to come along. Mm-hmm. The thoughts are going to come along. Hey, you could, the, the, the people in the church are going to come along Man, that was the best sermon I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get the, those opportunities yeah. to preach, however frequently or infrequently it is, they're always going to come. Right. And to begin to try to build your own platform. But you know what? Remembering that place of faithfulness, Luke 16, 10, that if I'm going to be if I'm going to be faithful in something that's my own, I need to be faithful in that which is someone else's, and that means remembering the vision, remembering the heart, and making sure that everything that we do as an associate minister at any level, whether it be helps, ushers, children's, youth, it's it's lifting up and supporting that vision that God gave to that senior pastor. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a I feel like most people might agree with that. I hope they would. Yeah. Now here's the deal. Living it. Living it. But yeah. here's the other deal. You've been doing that for 15 years. Most people after five years would say, well, I've done that. I've been in this church for seven years. Yeah. I've served this man. I've served this woman of God. Uh, I, I've, I've held their arms up. And man, I just can't take it anymore. I know you've been there. Yeah. I, you, you wouldn't be human if, if you hadn't been there. What did you do? Let's think about a time maybe you were there. I mean, 15 years you've been doing that. I mean, he was gone the first six months. It would have been real easy for you to rise up and be like, why don't you go more often? It seemed like we got more things done when you were gone. You know, I mean, not that that happened, but you know, like those thoughts come. What did you, how did you fight those? So I've been serving him for 17 years and we started that church in 2004. And the first six months, I would say this, I was so green. I didn't know anything. I was like, please come back. (laughs) Please, sure. Please come back. I don't know what I'm I'm doing. I'm going to kill these people. (laughs) Um, But you know, you're right. Somewhere along the the line, there's uh, those proficiencies, those growth, those things, because the impartation that they've given and, um, uh, you know, you've just got to stay, you've it's imperative that you've got to stay focused on why I'm here, the, mm-hmm. your personal heart. And that's got to come from that place of your, your relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. keeping that focus, so keep, keeping that, 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 uh, that on point, because this is the man of God. He's put this person in that office 
you know, in, in, in that role. And they are the man of God or the woman of God in that house at this place in this season. And maybe you can do as good a job as them. Maybe you can do a better job. That could be completely and absolutely true. But they're the person that God has called, that God has put in that office, and he is, he's put that mantle on them in that place. Wow. And if I don't, if my, if I allow my attitude to go south and sour and forget that I'm stepping over into rebellion, John. So good. And I don't want to, I didn't want to do that. And so one of the biggest advices, things that I I constantly am sharing with, with younger ministers. And when I say younger ministers, I don't mean just like, you know, teenagers or 20 somethings, but people that are new to ministry Mm. and, and they, they, some of them are in their thirties and Mm forties. I talked to them, look, the biggest thing you have to remember is that your go- you you cannot allow yourself at any moment to have a parasitical mm. relationship with your pastor, and that's those any of those thoughts that say, "Hey, you know what? I, I can I, I'm going to talk to his his friends. Mm. I'm going I want to send this email out across this thing, or when we have the guest minister in, that I'm going to use this as an opportunity to to make a connection." That any of those thoughts, those are the things that we have to take captive. So we good. have to cast them down because that's not why we're there. Mm. So it goes back to knowing your why. Yeah. Knowing, I mean, knowing his place, knowing your place, knowing her place. Um, and that's that's so powerful. Yeah, and I would say this to those folks, and that's, you know, in Hebrews, I think it's 16 or 610, where it talks about, you know, God sees and knows the things that you're doing. Mm. You know, as an associate minister, sometimes that's the that that's the the the, the thing that if you're not careful, will will just uh, uh, um, burn you up on the inside. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, everybody will come up and say, "Pastor, that was such an incredible service," or "We did this party and that was so wonderful," and and uh, they're so excited about the things that happened and what they see it done. But you're thinking, "Wait a minute, I was in the background." doing all this effort. I put this thing together and I did these things. And those are those places that separation um, in the heart can, can come in Mm. and you have to guard your heart. So you have to guard it. That's so good. Now here's the, another thing that we see happen a lot is as an associate, you're given a lot of authority. Mm -hmm. Um, I pray as you're, maybe listening to this wherever you're at, maybe mowing the yard, maybe running, maybe you're in the car having errands and something's being sparked in your heart. Um, we just pray that that you're going to just listen and glean from this. And, and whether you've went over the edge with your heart, man, this is the beautiful thing about repentance, just simply means to think different, turn around, change the way you're thinking. And you can do that right now. And maybe some of you are listening and you've been through this season, but I want to touch now on another season that I think that every associate goes through because it's just the nature of the game. That is this, is when, as the senior pastor gives us authority, um, let's say you're a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for you know six years, and I was given the authority to lead these young people. Well, these young people just happened to meet in a room that was separate, from the sanctuary, mm-hmm. and it met on a night, you know, where most people didn't come, and a lot of the kids in the room, their parents didn't come to the church. I did all the work, it seemed. I planned the games. I was there when their parents called me. 
I'm sure you've been in this situation uh, on in the various. So I want to touch on this point. How do you ensure, because what we just said I think is so valuable that someone has to understand the senior pastor is the one that God has appointed. I know there's been abuse with that. You know, there's been wrong teaching with that and all that, but we just, we don't have time for all of that, but we need to go back to, that is, that's as David, he didn't allow his men to kill Saul, even when Saul's trying to kill him, right? because he says, you will not lay a finger on God's yeah. anointed. He's demon-possessed, some would say, but yet David recognized his his placement. So I want to go to this place. How do I make sure that these people are going to make sure they understand the placement of the senior pastor. You've been given the authority. Yeah, that's good. And how do I, how did, how did, how, what are some things you've done to make sure that people uh, have done this? The reason why I speak to that is because a lot of times the associate isn't going to be there forever. Yeah. And I've watched guys, they've been given authority or even women, and they're only there for five years, but the pastor's going to be there another 20 years. And when they leave, everyone they had authority over leaves as well. well I'll tell you something that, that, uh, <clears throat> that I do almost, I can't say hundred percent of the time, you know, I can't reflect back, but every time that I minister and every time that I, that I preach in the church, which is, which is pretty frequent, you know, I, I would say from when you look at the average churches and when associate ministers and those things, particularly our size, but I, I preach pretty regularly and intentionally, whether I'm ministering to the youth, whether I'm actually, whether I'm ministering to, you know, leading, uh, uh, um, one of the things I do in the church is I work with uh, our family ministries, so all the children's ministers, and whether I'm, I'm imparting to the leaders in those roles, whether I'm, I'm ministering from the pulpit, is I will look for an opportunity to specifically um, quote, mm. to uh, mention, to, to reference something that, you know, as that Pastor Virgil has said, has done something in one of his publications that he's put out, wow. um, uh, just quoting things from his heart. Because part of my job, so you good. know, part of that place of that role is 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 to connect them to him. That's so good. They may not see him, but in that room, in that youth room, mm -hmm. on that night that nobody else is in the church, that I'm setting up everything and I'm doing everything, that is possible because of the faithfulness of that senior pastor. Yeah. It is possible because so of the prayers of that senior pastor so who's responsible for the lives of those people that I'm pastoring. Mm. And so as an associate pastor at any level, whether it's a children's pastor, um, whether you're in a seat, the head usher, that there are, there is some pastoral roles in that. I want to ch check the, how are my, how are the, my uh, other ushers doing? How are those people that are serving in this ministry going? I need to encourage and speak into their life and those things. But I can only do that uh, because my senior pastor is there for me and he's praying there. You know, anointing mm. and authority are connected. So good. And so if I've been given authority and I want to walk in anointing that corresponds with that authority, then I need to make sure that uh, um, I'm in a place of operating in delegated lines of authority. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see that in so many, that so, the, good. so many stuff in the scripture we mm -hmm. could talk about in that. But, uh, uh, and I want these, that uh, those that are listening to this, I want them to operate in the maximum place Absolutely. of the flow of the anointing in their life. And yes, first John two, you know, you are anointed. Absolutely. But you know, in that place of when I'm operating 
in, in those lines. We can go back to Moses when he was on the uh, on the, the the hill and he's got his arms lifted up. That that impacted the anointing on Joshua mm-hmm. and he, and all the young men that were serving with him in that battle. And they their their efforts went further, faster. That's when they had the greatest success. Was when they were in when everybody was in the right position. So and so recognizing that our pastors, that even if they're not present, making sure your job is to make them present. That's, that's so good. That's so good right there. If you're tuning in right now, uh, we're here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and another FCF Leadership Podcast. I'm here interviewing John Smith, who's associate pastor at FCF of Tucson. And um, we're touching base on the roles of an associate minister and he just said something that uh, I want to kind of say that again. You said if he's not present, my your, j- your job as an associate minister, associate pastor, whatever, your job is to make that the, your pastor present. Wow, man, that's so good. But I mean, do, in, in our children's church, yes, don't don't you think that the, that that those those children that uh, our teachers. Don't you want to be present with them? Mm, absolutely. And our teachers, they have the opportunity to make sure that they can they, they have have the pastor present. Yeah. And they can do it in very real ways. They just and this is why, you know, we Pastor Virgil does this or Pastor John does this and and being able to bring in um, you know, those oppor- we we've done pictures I put up in the youth room, you know, big pictures of, uh, I put up a picture with Pastor Virgil and, you know, and, you know, did like little word art and stuff that he would say, Pastor Virgil says, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, you write funny statements and things, but uh, that convey his heart. Yeah. Because we need to connect them to their pastor. That's so good. You know, I think we've, we've all seen it. You see it. I think we see it probably more with a youth pastor than anything, uh, just because, you know, it's so prevalent to yeah. have a youth pastor. And they say the average length, it used to be, I mean, like this was seven years ago. The average was two years. This might've been actually 10, but in the last five years, I mean, it's down to like six months, uh, you know, an average youth pastor serves. Now that's across the board. That's full time all the way to the volunteer that just signed up because no one else would do it and then got two months into it and realized I'm not the right person for this. So I don't want to make that like every church is every six months turning over. Um, But you see that you see a youth pastor, they've have the authority, they've been given that. And what you just said even earlier uh, about, uh, you know, the, the frequency uh, of quoting, of mentioning some kids, students, they don't even know who the senior pastor yeah. is. And so a youth pastor would say, well, the pastor hasn't made himself available to me. And, uh, you know, and all these different things. And But what you just said, it went back to my job. We have to recognize my job is to connect them to the senior pastor because I possibly could leave. But that senior pastor is going to be here well after I am. And after they graduate, my authority ends and I need to make sure they're still connected yeah. to the senior well, pastor. And that place of, you know, and, and I have a responsibility to them, to, to their souls, the, 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 the youth that I minister into. But scripturally, it's the senior pastor. Mm. He's got a greater responsibility. He's going to answer to them, to the Lord for them. True. In that place. And so, hey, <laughs> unless you're ready to, to take on that, that absolute complete responsibility of those things, we need to make sure that he's connected. Mm. They need to know that, that he's praying for him, that he's there with them. 
and uh, we need to do everything we can do. I tell, do do pastor selfie, mm. you know, just hey everybody, we're gonna have this competition, you know, and That's just bombard idea. the senior pastor and have the kids all just come up to him at different times and, you know, and take uh, how many different people in the leadership. Mm. Uh, can yeah. you can you can you get uh, pictures with? I think another thing on that, what you just said, that's a great practical thing, uh, and maybe we can just look at a couple of those real quick. You mentioned, hey, let's quote them. You know, quote their sermon if they got a book or something like that. Let's let's quote that because that's a, a way we can promote them. You said, you know, that's a that's an awesome idea. Like, let's have a selfie competition. Who can sneak enough selfies with the senior pastor and they they win an award. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, What when I, I, this was a problem I had a couple times, is the senior pastor makes a decision that we can't do something. Mm-hmm. And so to cover my selfish self, I would say, well, they decided we can't. I just said it's we versus them. Right. Rather than, I, you know, it needs to be we, not me. Yeah. We collectively decided. Yeah. John Bevere's got a great book, Undercover, where he mentions as he was a youth pastor and uh, he was able to do that. I encourage any associate and youth pastor to read that book, Undercover. It's so wonderful. But what are some other things that, you know, that have helped you to help promote the pastor in areas where he given you authority? Mm. Um, you know, sometimes even when uh, you're encouraging somebody, you know, and someone comes up and there's a situation and... and because my your job is to know your pastor's heart. Sure. And if you don't know your pastor's heart where you can say what I'm about to say definitively, then you need to go spend more time with them and catch their heart. Yeah. But that place of when you're talking to them and say, you know, let me just just, just share with you. And, you you know, you just reach out and you say, look, I, I know that uh, I'm speaking for Pastor Virgil right now as well as myself. Mm, that's really good. And so uh, uh, a lot of times, again, people, whether it be hurt or whether that be an encouragement, especially encouragement, for an, as an associate pastor, when I'm encouraging somebody, I always let them know, hey, this is from my heart, but this, all, Pastor Virgil, if he was here, he would say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, we believe in you, you know, and whatever that encouragement in that situation may be. Because again, I'm trying to connect them to their pastor. That's so good. And in that situation, yeah, I'm there and I'm encouraging them, but I don't, I, my job is not to connect them to me. Wow. That's so powerful. Again, we're here with John Smith, who serves as the associate minister at FCF of Tucson. And uh, really the goal here was to kind of talk to people, especially to our listeners that serve in an associate role, but maybe also a senior role. Uh, maybe you are a senior pastor out there, and we've been sharing these things. Uh, and I'm praying that you would also gain some insight uh, of that. I feel like that you know, that senior, because I'm a senior pastor now, so I'm going to speak for senior pastors. But I think that there is a humility that comes even on me just sitting here talking with you, John, about, you know, sometimes as a senior minister, we're wrapped up in so many things, Uh, the budget, the people, uh, this person's frustrated, this person said this, we're maybe looking at a building, we're thinking about this project, thinking about the next three, four sermon series, about this outreach program someone came to us about. I mean, you're just so full, and and I just want to encourage all the senior pastors that are listening right now, don't forget those that God has sent and assigned to you to serve. Uh, We need to recognize that, yeah, we've got so much on our shoulders, but Man, they've got a lot of responsibility on their shoulders to make sure that we're honored and we're represented and we're recognized. So 
a senior leader, I just encourage you, uh, one senior leader to another. And I know some of you have been probably doing this way longer than I have. But man, we just probably just need to pause right now and thank the Lord for those that God has assigned to us. But also just shoot a text message. Uh, send a thank you note. Don't forget, uh, uh, you know, just an email. Don't forget to honor. And someone said that, you know, you you whatever you celebrate or whatever you promote, you know, that's that's what you're going, that's the fruit that you're going to get. And um, so we're here and we're chatting about this. We determined uh, right before we even started this, we just always want to be real. Uh, yeah. Too many times people aren't real about that. If you had just a few moments here and you're speaking to a young, old, maybe someone that's been serving for, you know, 10 plus years and they're wondering, when's my season going to come? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they've been doing a good job, but now they're they're really frustrated because they keep seeing the same cycles, the same, you know, habits oh, or yeah, whatever sure. it is. I mean, we've all got them. Um, just take the, you know, the next minute. What would you say to them just to encourage them and fill their sail again? Right. You know, before I do, I'm going to jump back real quick. Yeah. Because speaking to those senior pastors, I have kind of an interesting role. I'm an associate pastor in my church, and I've been there this whole thing. But at the same time, I also speak to pastors mm-hmm. continually, regularly, not only in my community, but serving as the West Regional Director sure. in FCF. And so one of the things I would also say to them is, look, if you're going somewhere, if you're doing anything in ministry, take someone with you. Mm. You know, at FCF, we say ne- you know, no one should do ministry alone. Start that in your church. Mm. Don't do ministry alone. Don't go on the mission field alone. Don't go preach at the neighbor's church alone. That's so good. Don't, you know, take take one of those those folks with you. Maybe, you know, just have them around you mm-hmm. and with you because that's going to speak so much to them. One of the things that uh, associate ministers always are, are dealing with is that place of feeling uh, forgotten mm. or unloved because of all the things that you mentioned just a minute ago, John, just all the things that are happening. No, your senior pastor hasn't forgotten you. They don't love you any less. It's just there's so many things going on. Yeah. So senior pastors look for opportunities to be with them. That's so good. Now to those associate ministers, those, those folks, wow, um, man, things to keep your sales going. Uh, you got to remember this. You were called by God and don't get in a rush to step out into that next season. Mm. Don't be in a, in a rush to get to that place. Yes. I know that that, when that word came and someone laid hands on you and prophesied, or you were praying in your bedroom and, and the word of the God, the, the Lord just dropped in your heart. And he said, yes, this is what I've got for you. This is what I've called you to. But when we look through the scripture, and we see these things. There, there's, there's a the time the word comes, and then there's the time that the the, the harvest comes, mm. and uh, it, and we you know don't like I think about Paul from that place that Paul was was uh, got got filled with the Holy Ghost and saved, and the, the stuff fell off his eyes. It was years. Yeah. There was years he just fell off the grid. No one even heard from the man. But what was he doing? He was just faithfully doing what was before him to do. Mm. And so one times we get in such a hurry to want to be the Elijah that we forget about the Elisha that was just as called. Mm. God called him. He said, Elijah, you go put your mantle on this man and you go call him and he's going to come and he's going to serve you. And he served him for 10 years. And for 10 years, he served him faithfully and nobody knew who he was so much so that after Elijah's done, they're asking for a prophet in the land. And they said, well, is there any prophets around here? And they said, well, there's this one guy and he used to wash Elijah's hands. 
Wow. No one even, at this point, the anointing is on Elijah, Elisha. I mean, he's got the mantle. He's got the, the anointing. The double portion is on him. And people knew him as what? The guy that used to wash his hands. That's so good. And so uh, 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 don't worry about the name. Worry about whose name that you're serving. Mm. And be willing to just stay faithful to do what you know God called you to do. We say it in our churches all the time. Some people are here for a reason, from some for a season, and some for a lifetime. And and you and your in serving in your local church, some some people are coming to the local church. They were sent there for a reason yeah. to receive some sort of impartation, so, you know, or, or, or whatever the case may be, restored. Some of you are, are sent there, and you're in your church, and you're only going to be serving for a season. But some of you are called for a lifetime. Yeah, so good. And if you've been called to a lifetime, that's where, you know, even the season, don't rush your season to get out because there are things that you may not know that uh, need to be imparted into you. I remember when I, I, my first FCF conference was 2003 and I think it was uh, maybe 2004 or five, somewhere in there, Mark Barclay mm. came and he, he was ministering at a family conference and he had all the the you know pastors and ministers come up, and so I come up, and I'm standing in the line. He's going by and laying hands on people, laying hands on people, and all this cool stuff's happening, you know. And they're getting these nice words and all these things. And he comes by me, and he just looks at me, he touches me, and he goes to the next guy, you know. And I was like, <laughs> well, that was cool. Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know. And then he steps, he comes back to me, he looks me right in the eye, and punches me in the arm. I'm thinking everybody else got these nice words and these nice things. Well, you just hit me. He just looks at me. He goes, who's your pastor? I said, well, his name is Pastor Virgil Stokes. He says, make sure you stay till you're sent. Wow. And uh, too many times we try to send ourselves. That's so good. Instead of waiting until we're sent. Now, that may not mean that your your senior leader is going to come and, and send you in that way. But you make sure yeah. that you've been sent. That's so good. You make sure that you have that, that uh, Acts 13 place where the mm. Holy Spirit came and said, now separate unto me. Mm. Now it's time for the next phase of what I've called them into. Mm-hmm. Stay until you're sent. That's so good. I would say this as an encouragement as someone who's, you know, served. Uh, I've been in the same church as well now for almost 18 years uh next month i guess uh anyway someone told me this as well is don't make sure that you're just sent make sure you have a confirmation from yeah. those that are over you come on you know because i've watched so many people I, I, they don't want to be there anymore they're tired yeah. i think the lord's sending me somewhere else man I, I think a lot of times it's our own emotions sending us somewhere else. That's so good, though. Make sure you're sent. And it says that it was the prophets that laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and even confirmed that right. that sending. And when you go and you talk to your pastor, if you're one of those ministers and you feel like it's time for the next shift, it's time for something new, it's time for a promotion or whatever sure. in the kingdom, When you if you're going to go have a conversation with your senior leader, don't, do not, don't tell them, I was praying the other day and I felt like the Lord said, don't do that. Don't mm. tie their hands. You know, when you come to them and just say, hey, I just, I just wanted to talk to you. There's some things stirring in me, and, I, and I'm not sure quite what to make of it. Give them an opportunity and say, I've had some thoughts about maybe, you know, do, doing something mm. else, this other thing in ministry. 
What do you think? Mm. See, now you're giving them an actual place to be able to speak feedback, to pray, to speak into your life. But if you come in and start saying, man, the Holy Ghost just told yeah. me, well, there, your pastor may look be be amazing. Look at you in the eye and say, "You know what? I love you, but that wasn't God." Yeah. But a lot of folks, they're not going to argue with you. They're going to say, "Well, if you really believe God called you, then who am I to argue?" Mm-hmm. And it's what you did is you just cut yourself off from the very life source that you were placed in that church to receive from your yeah. pastor. Yeah. Don't do it. That's so. That's so good. I know we're unique. Same. God called us to serve someone and. We stayed and stuck it out, and I have a hard time sometimes relating to people that are oldie called maybe for a season. I'm not saying that God doesn't do that. Uh, I just know that our hearts, when we're speaking, we're probably speaking to the person that, from our experience, Mm -hmm. is that. But there are, there's going to be people that are called just for a season, and sometimes just for a reason, Um, but there's still a way and order of doing that. I yeah. think sometimes what you just said, people are like, well, my season's up, so he's no longer or she's no longer my my pastor anymore. Well, I, I don't just don't like that, you know, scripturally don't like it uh, personally. I wouldn't got, want someone to do that. I always, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Would you want, how would you want someone to leave from your ministry if it was? Yeah, in that place, you know, until, until you have that lap, when you come in, you're making a covenant. You're making a commitment. Yeah. You know, and Psalm 92 talks about those who are planted mm-hmm. in the house of the Lord. And so when you're in there, you're planted. And you're not just planted until the moment that, oh, the grace lifted. Mm-hmm. You know, no, that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work that, that, that quite way. I'm planted and I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be committed into that place until the day that I begin that next assignment. Yeah. And if it is called somewhere else, then I need to do everything in my power to make sure that that relationship with that pastor is is done well because those senior pastors they've had too many people just uh, uh, if someone ever called me away you know if, if the Lord called me away I need to make sure that before I go anywhere that my relationship with my pastor so is there because I'm still in covenant with them yeah it's not that they're not on my path I mean yeah I may go somewhere else and someone else is now going to be my speaking into my life in a diff- in that pastoral role but I still have covenant with this person. Yeah. I've still t- bled and sweat and worked for the kingdom of God with this person. And and to just allow relationships to just be, yeah, well, they don't have any place in my life anymore. You know, that's, that is that is way too Western, U.S. type thinking. That is not covenant right. people of God reality. We're family first. Mm-hmm. And we got to remember that. Yeah, that's so good. That's that's so true. It's Paul said, you know, do whatever you can to be at peace with everyone. Yeah. And uh, I think when we take that and we do unto others as we would want them to do, we can always make a, a wiser decision. I think that's where you need to have people in your corner. That's what I love about the Faith Christian Fellowship family. Uh, there's people that we're connected with that you can call. And uh, maybe you're not a part of the Faith Christian Fellowship family. And uh, just hearing some of the conversation, maybe you tuned into this podcast accidentally or someone sent it to you, we'd encourage you to go to our website, fcf.org, and check out more about who we are, what we offer. We believe no one should do ministry alone. 
we are a family within the body of Christ, and we would love to connect with you and have people that would love to talk with you. Maybe you've got questions about ministry. Maybe you've got a senior leader, and you're not quite sure what to do, and you just would want some advice. We encourage you to call the international office. Uh, you can find that number at fcf.org, and uh, we're looking forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much again, John, for being with us here on this podcast. You bet. And uh, we'll look forward to catching all of our listeners again next month with another FCF Leadership Podcast. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.